Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they said, Our God, our God, Dagon, he has delivered him, Samson, into our hands, our hands, Samson, our enemy. And this was just plain ignorance because ultimately a God allowed Samson to be found out. He allowed Samson to be caught. Their God, Dagon, had nothing to do with it. See, nothing happens to you, child of God, that God doesn't, it doesn't go through, it goes to his throne first. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. When Samson pursued his ungodly relationships, he might have justified it to himself by thinking that the only harm was done to himself. Yet here we see that his disobedience led to giving glory to false gods. Samson became a trophy for worshipers of false gods. However, Samson's end was both bitter and sweet. God answered his last prayer, and he achieved his greatest victory against the Philistines at the cost of his own life. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. To hurt him, but just the way it's written in the scripture, it just sounds really ominous, doesn't it? As he's there, and I'm sure she's just running her hands through his hair, and he's just lulled to sleep after a long day of beating up Philistines. And he's tired and lonely, and she's rubbing his fingers through her hair, and he's just kind of like, oh, in a dream state. You know, still got ice cream in my stomach, and I just got... <laughs> then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing when we do not know when the Lord has left us. To be in a place where you don't know what the difference is between your own strength and God's strength. And to know it's usually at the end of your strength, that's when God's strength begins. That's why Paul could say, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. And Samson never learned that lesson. He was always strong. He was always the one calling the shots. He was the one that everybody looked up to. Everyone was afraid of. Everybody loved him, and yet they hated him. He had that kind of personality. Then the Philistines took him, verse 21, and they put out his eyes. They literally bored his eyes out. They plucked them out. They either plucked them out or they dug them out. He, was, he had no eyes. They took out his eyes. And it's interesting that this is the part of his body, the gateway to his character that got him into so much trouble. 
And that's the thing that he lost. He lost his eyes. The thing that had gotten him into all that trouble. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? You've all heard this, beginning in verse 27. It says, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for... For you that one of your members perish, then your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, was Jesus saying literally cut off, take out your eye and cut off your hand? I really don't think so. Because here's the problem. You can still pluck out an eye, but the heart hasn't changed. But he says, and you can, you can cut off your hand. If you're a thief and you keep thieving with your right hand because you write with your left hand because you were taught the right way. Uh, <laughs> I'm a lefty, by the way, and I'm still bitter about it. But anyway, uh, they cut off the hand. He can't, he can't steal anymore with his right hand. I always pick up the candy from 7-Eleven with my right hand. So now he can't thieve. And, and he says, well, just cut it off. Well, I'll kind of learn how to do it with my left hand then. If you get desperate enough, you'll figure it out. Don't we? We do. Whenever we're hemmed in, we find a way. We'll find a way to do it. So God wasn't speaking of physically doing it, but it needs to be that serious to us. It needs to be that serious to us because what does sin do left unchecked? A life of sin leads to ultimately, if not repented of, it does lead us where? To hell. And that is our choice that we make. It's not something that God says, I'm going to send you there. No, you've chosen it. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They make the decision all by themselves. And he gives them so much opportunity. He's such a God of grace. Aren't you glad you're here? If you're here tonight, that means that God got a hold of you. And I pray that you know him with all of your heart and that you'll serve him and and, and know him and let him have every part of you. And because when he has every part of you, your life is going to be fruitful. It's going to be a blessing, not only to you, but to everyone around you. Your whole family is going to be blessed. The whole earth around you is going to be blessed. You are like the epicenter of righteousness. Isn't that cool? You are the epicenter of righteousness. You are a epicenter of righteousness. Because wherever you go, your light will shine so that people will see your works. They'll see your life. They'll see the way you talk. They'll see the way you walk. They'll see the things you do, the things that you don't do. They'll see that you've got a, you don't have a filthy mouth. They'll see that you're an honest person, that you're, you have integrity. And therefore, you will have, your light will so shine that when they see that, they will glorify who? You? No, they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So it's not enough to cut off the hand. The heart has to change. But we need to take it that seriously as if we were going to do something that drastic. But most people don't take it drastic, a drastic stance against sin. A lot of times people will think, well, I've been doing this for years and God hasn't really chastened me. Well, he's been giving you a lot of rope to hang yourself. That's what happens. And I know this to be true for my own self. He get, and, and here's the thing. Wouldn't it be nice if we all had the same amount of rope? And when I say that, I mean, there comes a point where God judges, okay? He chastens those who he loves, right? But even the ungodly, he will judge them. He will allow them. And even for Christians, if we're not careful, 
God will chasten us. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. If you're, you know, we're all sinners, right? But we ought to be sinning less as we walk with Christ. But when we, if we don't, if we continue in a sin, we all have different lengths of rope, and we don't know how long those are. Sometimes God will allow a man or a woman to be in adultery for decades, and then all of a sudden, He allows them to be exposed, and their marriage, their family is destroyed, even their jobs destroyed. And other people. It's the first time. Bam. And you're like, wow, I only got like three centimeters of rope. And you gave that guy like enough rope to go to the moon and the earth. It's like that. We can't question that. That's God's doing. He knows us. He knows what we need. And he's a good God. Amen? I love that about God. Never forget that God is a good God. But then, verse 21, it says, Notice that they bound him with bronze fetters. They had bronze chains, and he became a grinder in the prison. And the idea of this is, um, this is before the animals did it. They would actually attach a harness to him, and they would have like a little mill, a smaller mill, and they would put the grain in this thing, and then he would walk around in circles and grind and, and grind the grain into fine powder, and they would use that for cooking and other, re- other resources, other things. But that's what he was doing. And you know what's even more demeaning? meaning about this is that this kind of vocation was designed for concubines, for women. And now Samson is the one doing that. It was designed for women to do this task. Sorry, ladies, but back in that culture, women worked really hard. You look at Proverbs 31 and you're like, wow, those women were amazing. You better believe it. Boy, those ladies were something. And unfortunately, the men should have been following suit, but Hopefully they were um, doing better things. But notice, he was there, and he was attached to the mill, and he would grind out grain. However, verse 22, the hair of his head began to grow after it had been shaven. And here's a little hope. So now, verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a sacrifice to Dagon, their god. He was a Philistine god. He was half, the statue or the image of Dagon was half fish and half man. So they gathered together to offer a sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. Notice, the lords of the Philistines, these five lords and all of their, uh, their state and all of their cabinet and all these people around. And they said, our god, our god, Dagon, he has delivered him, Samson, into our hands, our hands. Samson, our enemy. And this was just plain ignorance because ultimately a god allowed Samson to be found out. He allowed Samson to be caught. Their God, Dagon, had nothing to do with it. See, nothing happens to you, child of God, that God doesn't, it doesn't go through, it goes to his throne first. You ever read the first couple chapters of Job? Read it tonight and you'll see. Nothing happens to you. Nothing even God allows unless it goes past his throne and he knows the end. And he will say to Satan, you know, this is what he did to Job. Satan, you want to do that? Hmm. And God knew, I'll let you do only that much away with you. And Satan is like a salivating dog. You mean I can destroy his kids? I can destroy his house? I can do all that? Yeah, go for it. Do it. And he does. Then finally comes back again. Ah, let me do a little bit more. Let me strike his health, and then he'll curse you. And God says, okay, try it. See, the unfair advantage that God has is omniscience. It's a characteristic that he alone has. The devil does not 
have omniscience. The devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's a created being, by the way. And he's not omnipresent, certainly. But God knows. He knew Job's heart. He knew Job would, wouldn't curse him. And God also knew the end of it all, that he was going to bless Job with twice as much as he ever had before. And Job was a blessed man, and he knew God now. He really knew him. So verse 24, when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered him into our hands, our enemy, the destroyer of our land. You, you'll read about that in, uh, in, chapter, um, in chapter 15, where he ties foxes' tails together and, and, and attaches a, 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 a torch, and they go through the fields. And this is one of the things that got the Philistines all upset with them. And so they... Um, so he was a destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. And in fact, the Bible tells us, he gives a, he, they catalog for us, the word of God does, the, those that Samson killed. Thirty men of Ashkelon, it records that for us in Judges 14, verse 19. Another thousand men at Lehi, and that's in Judges chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. And finally, we're going to see in just a few moments, 3,000 men and women here in the 27th and the 30th chapter of what we're coming upon in just a few moments. So the total that he killed when he finally checked out was 4,030 that we know of. Verse 25, so it happened when their hearts were merry. They were offering the sacrifice to their Dagon. Then it became just a big party. There's no holiness there, right? Because any God other than God the Father, any God other than Jehovah God, the one who created all things, the one who said in the beginning, let there be light, and there was light. Is there anybody who can do that? I don't think so. Is there anybody who can say, let there be fish teeming, and all, all creatures teeming in the oceans, and just his, his genius of creative power goes at work, and he's able to create them, not only in all of their intricacies, but that they can live together in harmony, and they all have a, a system, and they all everything is gelling, everything's just fine. He does all that. <laughs> so it happened, when they were merry, that they called for Samson, that he may perform for us. This, this word literally means they, they wanted him to perform. They were going to mock him, they were going to laugh at him, they were going to chide him, they were going to jest at him, and often with music. Get out the guitars. Let's sing and dance while we watch Samson perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Samson was entertainment. He was a sideshow. And Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, notice he had to be led. Why? Because he doesn't have two eyes. He's blind. He says, let me feel the pillars which support the temple. The temples in the, 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 the Philistine temples were long. They were long this way, and there were two pillars in the middle that would sustain some other things on the sides, but there were two pillars in the middle, and he positioned himself between those two pillars, and the idea is that he could lean on them. And so, now the temple was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women, on the roof watching while Samson performed. So they are all up around the edges, and they're looking down upon this spectacle. And now he tells this young boy to just, just lean me up there, because I imagine after he's been performing for them for a while, he's kind of tired. He's like, just lean me up against these things. I can get some rest. And while he's there, he's praying in his, in his heart and his mind. He's saying, Lord, just this once. Do it one more time. I'm going to allow myself to go out, but I'm going to take these 3,000 with me. 
Now, you might think to yourself, well, that sounds kind of cruel. But I, God was using Samson in spite of him. And Samson was bringing judgment upon the Philistines. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how God can do that? How can God bring Nebuchadnezzar, at the time when he was coming against Jerusalem, he was so full of himself. He was a pagan idolater, and yet God would use that idolatrous man to bring judgment against his own people. Why would he do that? Why would God use Samson to bring down enemies? Same, same principle here. God can use anybody to bring judgment upon whether it's, whether it's family or foe. When God chastens us as believers, it's not to destroy us. It's to chasten us, right? When there's instruction involved. It's like, son, don't do that. I've told you before, don't do that. Why are you doing that? I told you, don't do that. Why are you doing it? Now the temple was full of women. I read that. Verse 28 says, Then Samson called to the Lord. and He says, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may be with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. This is one of the, one of the few times that, that Samson actually prayed. It was at the very end of his life, the very last few moments of his life on the earth. One of the few times that he prayed. There may be one other time recorded that he, and I think it's in chapter... Uh, uh, 14 and verse 6 or something like that, verse in chapter 14, where he actually prays to God. But other than that, it was, it was you know, he never, there's no, no, no record of him praying at all. Because was he a, a, a dynamic spiritual man? No, he wasn't. He was, he was a man governed by his passions. Did God use him in spite of himself? Absolutely. God is a God of grace. So, Verse 29, and Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, and one on his right hand and one on his left. And he, he said, Lord, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell, and the lords and all the people who were in it. And so the dead that he killed at his death were more than that he killed in his life. And it's true, because we know that he died. He killed about 1,030 before his death, and in his death he killed 3,000. In verse 31, and his brothers and his father's household came down and they took him and they brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol. This is uh, the, the, uh, a town where he was born. Uh, and then the town next to it, right somewhere in the middle, is where they buried him in the tomb of his father Manoah. And he had judged Israel 20 years. You know, when you think about this, as we, as we finish this chapter here, what an unfortunate way for Samson to end. How much greater could have God used him if he was obedient? How much more could God have used him if he surrendered his life to Christ? I love what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, meaning they're without repentance. It literally means, for, for not repented of are the grace, gifts, and the calling of God. That means even if God gives you a gift, he doesn't take that gift just because you're a bad boy. That's the mystery of God. Because Samson had some really incredible gifts, and God came upon him by his spirit at different times to accomplish purposes of God. And yet, was he a shining example? No, he was not. Is he a man that we should model after men? Some things, maybe, but very few. There's not a whole lot mentioned here that is really great. And yet he shows up in Hebrews 11. He had enough faith to get the job done. 
Don't let what God has gifted you with be used for selfish or devilish means. And this is so important for young people because you may be gifted in music. Or maybe as an adult, you may be gifted in something. You may be a gifted musician. You may be a gifted in acting. You may be a sports hero. You may have some gift or talent in other vocations. But what are, you, are you serving the Lord with those things? Or are you selling out and, and, and giving it over to the enemy and giving glory not giving glory to God and doing it just for money. You know, I look of like Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston was in church. That's where she learned to sing. She was an amazing vocalist. Good grief, the woman had a set of pipes. She could sing. Then she meets Bobby Brown. And I don't know if it was only his influence, but then she starts to take drugs. One thing leads to another. Years go by, and the next thing you know, she's done. What about these people, these superstars today, Britney Spears? What about Taylor Swift? What about all these musicians and music, you know, that are out there, very gifted? What about Lady Gaga? You know, she's a Jew. Do you know that? She's actually a trained concert classical pianist. She can play jazz. She can sing. She can act gifted young lady. And what is she doing with her life? Selling it to the world. Selling herself. Pray for her. Pray for those others that I mentioned. Because God gave them a talent. And he doesn't, get, he doesn't take away that gift. He gave them the grace to sing like a bird. They should be in church. They should be giving glory to him. <laughs> but the devil always has his, doesn't he? There's been a saying, why does the devil always have the good music? Well, he doesn't. Maybe on this earth, but there's coming a day, folks, and we're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we will sing unlike we've ever sung before. We're going to have a set of pipes on each of us that aren't going to be restricted by our, our, our uh, lack of ability. But don't give in to sensuality and especially engage in it to promote yourself or to get further ahead. You know, that's a lesson we can learn from Samson. And certainly, men, just be really careful. Don't be led by your eyes. Ladies, be careful about how you manipulate because you have that ability. Women know how to do that to a man. It's not fair. (laughs) It's not fair for a man to do those things to a woman. It's not fair for an attractive woman to do that to a man. It's unfair. It's, it's, uh, It's against the rules. should be. But let's be people of integrity, amen? Let's be people who love the Lord. Let's be people who listen to his word and want to do it. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. And, Lord, we pray that we would uh, learn much from the life of Samson. Lord, that we would consider those things that we have read over the last several weeks and that we would uh, appropriate them into our own life, God, and help us not to look at, at these things as, as lessons for someone else, but for us, for me, Lord, for us together in this place tonight. And for those online, may you encourage them. Lord, help us. We love you, Lord, and we're so thankful that you love us more than we could possibly understand and that your love never fails. That, Lord, you're always seeking us. You're always loving us. So, Lord, have your way with us and send us on our way tonight and bless our day tomorrow. Lord, keep us all healthy. Keep us safe, God. And help us not to live in fear. 
Help us to live in your grace and live in simplicity in the Holy Ghost. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.